Psalm 37, I want to begin reading at verse 34 through verse 40. Psalm 37 is a good psalm to camp out in. When you're, let me just ask a question. How many of y'all have ever uh, looked at what was going on around you? In other words, people were, seemed like they were doing so well and they're prospering and here you are serving God and going to church on a Wednesday and everybody else looked like they're just living la vida loca. How many of y'all have ever, admit this, gotten discouraged by that? Y'all admit it? Okay, good. Psalm 37 is when you feel those times coming. Psalm 37, in fact, you can go to Psalm 73 too. But Psalm 37 is where you want to camp out in those times. Because Psalm 37 is going to remind you about not fretting yourself because of the wicked. You know, not being envious against the workers of iniquity. Not letting what you see out there in the world get you discouraged. Because what looks good may not necessarily be good. Okay? Now I can tell I'm bowling down your alley because some of y'all looking at me hard and funny. But I'm just going to start at verse 34 though. Verse 34. Because I want you to trust that you're in the right way. Tell your neighbor you're in the right way. Tell them you're on the right road. It's a slow road. But it's the right road. You got it? Faith may take longer, but it'll get you there and keep you there. All right? It says, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you. Tell your neighbor, you. To inherit the land. When? Y'all see that next word? Didn't say if. When? The wicked are cut off. That means they're going to be cut off. You shall see it. So I don't care how people look like they're doing it. Man, they're doing it. They're living it up. No, they ain't living it up. They're living it down. And they're going to be cut off according to the word of God. And he says, you shall see it. Watch verse 35. Here's his testimony. He says, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Or King James says a green bay tree. He says, yet he passed away. And behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. So David said, this is my experience. I've seen the wicked look, look like they're doing it, man. They're balling. You look up, and it's all gone. But watch verse 37. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. The one you watch is the blameless, the perfect. In other words, those whose hearts are right with God, the upright. Mark them. So take your eyes off of all those people in the world you're looking at and, oh, look at how they live and, oh, I wish I had, oh, don't take your eyes off that. It said, no, mark the blameless man and observe the upright. He says, for the future of that man is peace or the future of that man is prosperity or prosperous. Are you seeing this? So don't get caught up with what you see people doing now. Look like they just, they're just, you know, man, they're bad. I love it. No, it's, it's going to pass away. It's going to pass away. As a matter of fact, my dad used to always say when I was a kid growing up, don't, don't look at that, how the people, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because you don't know about behind closed doors. 
I mean, we had a, there was a guy the other, other day killed a, a Hillsborough County Sheriff's, is that right? Killed his wife? Then killed himself? What what they fighting about? I saw, well, they had just built a brand new house in this subdivision, had a brand new Mercedes, had a brand new uh, uh, minivan in the driveway, had golf clubs all in there. You know this, this stuff, you, I'm up to my eyeballs in debt. That stuff, man, it'll, it'll, it'll mess with you. I don't care, I don't care how, how, how much money you think you're making. And to their neighbors, to their friends, oh, they got such a wonderful life, and now both of them dead. Guy a few weeks ago killed his wife and his kids and himself. They went and found out this man, his problem was, man, they were just, they were strapped. They were just, see, so it looks like one thing. It's totally different. You don't know what people are sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all thought. <laughs> I just got to say, I just got to say, because my wife tried to tell Bill Cosby, go to Venezuela, man. Leave the country. She tried to tell him, get out of this country now. When the first little accusations came out, get out of the country, because they're going to hem you up. And now Heathcliff Huxtable is number 721328. You know, with all that money. House and all that kind of stuff. So, Mark the blameless man, y'all. Are you seeing what I'm saying to you? Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. For the future of that man or that man's future is peace, is prosperity. That's what you want to follow behind. Amen? Get behind him like you're following a car. Check it out. And then that's where you go. That's enough. That's enough. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's good. That's, that's worth the price of admission already tonight. <laughs> Amen. That, you know that cover charge y'all paid when you came in to, came to the door? That's, that's worth it right there. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to have uh, some uh, guest speakers in the house. Praise the Lord. Uh, two of these that will be coming have uh, our, they just, they finished our most recent flight school class. And so they're going to start out teaching. Then we're going to have one of our veterans uh, close out just like we did last week. Amen. And so I want you to always to receive them. I mean, just receive, and give them all your smiles and show you. I mean, just just grill for them. Just grin and, you know, shine those teeth and let them know you're give them all your amens and hallelujahs and praise the Lord and everything. I don't want to hear nobody saying, well, <laughs> OK, let them know you are you are supporting them. We're going to start out tonight with a. Uh, Sister Michelle Konyungu. I, that's, I got it right. Look at it. Look at your pastor. God bless you. All right. You good? 20 minutes. If you give me a moment to just set up, thank you.
y'all laughing at me, that's all right. We family, so it's okay. All right. Um, I'm ready. <laughs> yes. So good evening, everyone. Uh, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, oh God, we thank you for this time and opportunity to give you glory, honor, and blessed praise. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you were prepared the way for your people, Lord God, to do great and mighty things for the next level and the manifestation of their life. Lord, that it's not I that teach, but you that teach through me. Lord, I ask you that you will decrease and that the anointing will increase. Lord, we thank you that one will receive, Lord, and be blessed by your word. And we ask you all these blessings in Jesus' mighty name. We pray. Amen. Amen. So my title is Prepare the Way. So I'm coming out of Mark chapter 1 in the NIV, verses 1 through 8. Okay, there you go. So read with me. In the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah, prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord made straight for him. For him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In the whole Judea countryside, and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thorns of whom sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with the water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. All right, praise the Lord. <laughs> so who are we preparing for? John the Baptist is an example of the forerunner for Jesus Christ. The definition of a forerunner, if you could put that up, media, if you have it. Well, the definition of a forerunner is a person or thing that precedes the coming or development of someone or something. So this is who John the Baptist was. He was the forerunner for Jesus Christ. So his whole purpose was for him. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to slow down. Oh, now I'm sorry. So his whole purpose was for him to be the forerunner for Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about something. I want you to think about your children, your students. I want you to think about the next generation of believers. Who are you preparing for? So, yeah, so the definition of preparation, if you could do it for me, media, thank you. Preparation means to make ready beforehand for some purpose, use, or activity. All right, if you could go with me, if we read uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 3 in the NIV. I want to sit my hat right here for a second. And the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, made straight paths for him. So this uh, particular scripture is talking about how John the Baptist is basically a forerunner for Jesus. But in ancient times, 
the forerunner would go before the king in his arrival to make the path straight. So that's what John Baptist did. He wanted to make sure that he was announcing that Jesus was coming to help the people. So John the Baptist was important. He was important because he had one purpose, which is to tell the people about the repentance of sin, but also he had one message. God chose him for one thing, just to repent and talk about baptism. That's it. That was his whole story. He was the preparer for Jesus Christ, and that's why Jesus could do what he do. All right, praise the Lord. I want to drop my hat to Luke chapter 1, verses, let me slow down. Luke chapter 1, verse 17 in the NLV. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people to prepare for the Lord. So this particular scripture is still talking about John the Baptist and his whole sort of purpose of preparing the way for Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about something. How, how do we prepare our hearts? To help someone else in their purpose. Prepare the people. Go before them. We are their examples. We are their forerunners. So just a personal touch, a personal story. I'm the forerunner for my family. My mom has four children. Two older, brother, two older brothers, John, Jessica, John, Tony, Jessica, and Michelle. And so I was a forerunner for my sister, Jessica. So I got the first college degree, thank God, and I got a master's, thank God. But I was a forerunner for my sister. And if I didn't do it first, she couldn't do it with having two children and et cetera. But she seen me do it, so she said, I can do it too. I'm going to school. <laughs> so she did it because I was her forerunner, just like I'm the forerunner for my daughter, Zoe. I'm the forerunner for my students at school. I'm the forerunner. I'm the preparer. So if they can't see me, how can they be prepared? So my heart has to be ready to prepare the kids. My heart has to be ready to be a sister. My heart has to be ready to be who God called you to be. So you are the forerunner. Be that preparer. And another example, another personal touch, uh, my auntie Lois, she's not present tonight, but she was my forerunner, somebody I looked up to all the time. She's my favorite auntie. Everybody know that in my family. So by her being my favorite auntie, she has the same degrees I have. She has a master's, but she did it first. She's a teacher, and I follow in her footsteps, very footsteps. I'm a teacher also. So she was my forerunner. Um, I had many forerunners. We all have many forerunners. However, it may be that one particular person that did it for you. That was like, I'm going to show you Jesus. I'm going to show you the way. So you're like, okay, how, how do I prepare? You, you, you know, we prepare through our lifestyle. So point number two, it, as I stated earlier, think about your children as we prepare. Train your children. If you go with me to Proverbs 22 and 6 in the King James Version. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he, sh he will not depart from it. So this scripture is speaking of, or verse, is speaking of a lot of things. Um, however, what God revealed to me is, as parents, we need to prepare our children to be Christ-like. They need to be Christ-like. Because you are their example daily. You teach them life lessons, verbal, nonverbal. 
when you wake up in the morning, when you go to sleep at night, however you are the example, good or bad, you still the example. So they look up to you. So God showed me, let them be Christ-like. Teach them. That's what we were talking about today in prayer. We were talking about how the parents need to be Christ-like. And it was a great conversation. And it, it, that's, you just need to be Christ-like. So praise God for that. Moving right along. <laughs> so my last, my last point, I just want to continue to put my hat right here. Um, it's in John, I only want you to turn with me to John chapter 14 and 2. So just hold your place there, but get ready. Praise God. All right. So prepare the way for believers. Not only did John the Baptist prepare the way for non-believers, Jesus prepared the way for you and me. Jesus is preparing the way even now. Even now in heaven, he is preparing our way. So it's vital as Christians and believers to prepare the way because the world is vital that we prepare the next generation. So the way that Jesus is preparing in John chapter 14 in the NIV, it says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have Excuse me, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. So it's vital. If Jesus is preparing a place for us, he's just preparing a place. He's doing it now. He's doing the work now even before we get to heaven. So when I get my nice mansion room, Lord, you prepare for me. Thank you, Lord, that you prepare for me. Because you are preparing for me. So we have to be mindful that even Jesus is our forerunner. Yes, praise God. Yes, I'm feeling y'all. Y'all feeling me. That's good. Yes, praise God. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Lord. So, so. Go with me to <laughs> go with me to Ephesians two and ten. So in the NIV, in the NIV again, it says, "For we are God's workmanship, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do." So this one is talking about how Jesus, or yeah, Jesus, how God and Jesus, that's it, how God is our workman, he did the work, and Jesus created us to do good works. However, God prepared us already. It was predestined that we are forerunners. It's predestined that we are leaders. It's predestined that we are the person who will be the forerunner for the daughter, the son, the cousin, the sister, the brother, whoever, you are the forerunner. But I want to lay my hat on handiwork. Can you get that for me, media? Yes, Lord. So handiwork, this is the Greek, and I am not a Greek person, so I'm not going to try to say it. I'm just, trust me. That, thank you. It means to prepare before. So handiwork means to prepare before. It's important that we prepare before. We are to help other believers prepare for the next thing, the next level in their life. Therefore, God has chosen you to be a forerunner, a preparer for others. 
So in conclusion, I encourage you to be a preparer for the people. As John the Baptist was the preparer for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the preparer for us now. Prepare your children. Train them up in Christ. Prepare the next believer. Be a godly example. I want you to think about it, family. Think about this. Think about who will you prepare for. I give God all the glory, the honor, and the blessed praise. I thank you to my pastors, Pastor Jonathan and Kimberly Anderson, for this time, opportunity to come to my family with this word. Praise God. Come on, give God a hand along with that tonight. Wonderful job, Michelle. Who are you preparing for? The whole reason why God sent Joseph into Egypt was to prepare to preserve a people. And that, how many times have we said it to you? That Joseph anointing, when you come on in this house, that Joseph anointing comes on you so that you become preparers for your family, people that are coming behind you. That anointing is on your life to be a preparer, to a forerunner so other people can come in. Amen? Come on, give her another big hand tonight. This next young lady that's coming to us tonight, I'm so very proud of. I found out a little while ago that she used to have a huge crush on me. And um, she did, had a huge crush on me. And, but she was so disappointed. I mean, just heartbroken when she found out I was already married. And um, that's too, too sad. And she found out I couldn't marry her because she's my daughter and I'm her father. So Olivia, please come tonight and share the word of God he's put in your heart, baby. Today, I'll be speaking on tonight. I'll be speaking on defilement, not a popular subject, but hey. Uh, we're going to be talking about where it comes from and how to avoid it. So first, we're going to go to Mark chapter 7, verse 18 through 23, and then I'll pray. Thank you so much, Father, for this opportunity. Thank you, God, that this is a word that we need, Father God. It's not just an assignment, Father. I thank you, Father God, that every word has an intent and purpose, Father God, and it will be accomplished tonight. I thank you that it will be received with understanding and joy without any distractions. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, Mark chapter 7, verse 18 through 23. Okay, it says, So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it is not entered into his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, 
foolishness, all these things come from within and defile a man. So my first part to go to was, okay, what is defile? What does it mean to be defiled? So it means to make or consider profane, to call common, defiled, polluted, or unclean. So Jesus in this uh, text was basically telling the Pharisees off. The Pharisees came... (laughs) The Pharisees came to him uh, because his disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. And it wasn't a sanitary cleansing of, cleansing of the hands. It was more of a tradition. And so Jesus was basically exposing them, saying, you're worried about your hands and you're worried about these outwardly things, your traditions, but your heart isn't really with me. And so that tells us that Jesus is more concerned about your heart than anything. So my first point, and it's kind of what we have to get out of the way, is natural foods cannot defile us. And you think that's common sense, but obviously obviously it's not, because Jesus had to say it. In verse 18, it says, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Here's why. Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And that seems so simple. You know I had to, you know, I can eat chocolate cake after workout class. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Miss Gigi. (laughs) So, like I said, that seems so simple. And, I mean, common sense. Like, yeah, that can't really affect your heart. But Jesus had to say it. And if you look, turn with me to Acts chapter 10. I said, wait, Acts is after Mark, and he still had to say something about it. (laughs) Let's look at Acts 10, uh, let me see, 13 through 15. Okay, it says, and a voice came to him, Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. So even in Acts, Peter, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He walked with Jesus. Jesus said this a long time ago. But still, Peter was so stuck in his tradition. He said, I have never eaten anything unclean. But still in his heart, he thought that this was the way to go. But uh, the voice said, no, nothing that I've made is unclean or or common. And it's not going to affect you that way. So then I was like, okay, that should, you know, set the record straight. But no. <laughs> Let, turn with me to 1 Timothy 4. Verse 3. Uh, actually, let's look at verse 1. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. So the Spirit is talking about latter times. The last days, we can say even now. But look at verse 3. It says, warning about these uh, doctors of demons. They'll say, they'll be forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is, be, is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So we know we pray over our food every time. But somehow we still have these things like, oh, it must, you know, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat, guys, it's not going to affect your heart. (laughs) Sorry. 
But this is talking about the latter times. And there's still religions today that won't allow you to eat certain foods, that won't allow you to touch certain foods. Something as simple as that. But Jesus is not worried about that. He wants you to look deeper into your heart. It's your heart where defilement happens. It's your heart where even good things happen. So let's go back to uh, Mark chapter 7. Let's look at verse 21 through 23. Mark 7, 21 through 23. My second point, defilement begins within our heart. Verse 21 says, For within, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. Now, I think it's pretty simple to see these, that, yeah, evil thoughts could defile me, adulteries could defile me, murders could defile me, but, you know, they were so focused on food that they were missing these things. They were so locked in their tradition that they were still doing whatever they wanted and still displeasing God. These things, they're either going to defile your spirit, your soul, or your body, and like I said, that's pretty easy to see, but apparently people were still missing it. Now, I said, God, what is the, mo the way that people most defile God. And it starts off with your words. Of course, it begins in your heart, but your heart has to let something out, and that's through your words. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Let's look at verse 45. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, <laughs> and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So if your heart is good, you've got nothing to worry about. Good things are going to come out. But if you allow anything evil to get into your heart, it won't be hard for anything evil to come out. Can we get that in the Amplified, please? Okay, it says the upright, honorable, intrinsically good. That means you're naturally good. The naturally good man, out of the good treasure stored in his heart, produces what is upright, honorable, and naturally good. And the evil man, out of the evil storehouse, brings forth that which is depraved, wicked, and naturally evil. For out of the abundance, the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So when I saw the word overflow, it kind of opened up the whole scripture. Because your heart which we know is we can say that as our mind, things that are in there. What comes out is the overflow. That's how you can get to the point where you can't control what you're doing. You can't control what you're saying. It's because whatever's in your heart has become so evil that you can't even think about what's coming out. It's the overflow. You can't control overflow. It's impossible. <laughs> and I, was, I thought about, okay, so this is something simple. What do you say when you stump your toe? Ouch. But there's some people who don't say ouch. <laughs> and when you find yourself doing that and you'll be in the best environment, you're around good people, but you find yourself saying things that are contrary to your environment. That's because it's what's in your heart. Let's look at James chapter 3. Let's look at verse 6. 
It says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. So your tongue has the power to defile you because it's the runoff of your heart. Let's look at verse 8. It says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So before I kind of started studying this, I think I've heard that scripture, but it's one of those where you kind of like, you know, I can do all things through Christ's truth. It's me, but you're not going to prove the word wrong, so you're just going to act like it's not there, but it's still there. So Lord, how, how, why can't I tame my tongue? I, I believe that I have control over my body. I can do anything, but not when it's an overflow. If it's just a runoff of what's in your heart, there's no way you can control it. It's impossible. But I realized you can control your heart and what you let in it. So let's look at. Let's go back to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Let's just confirm this. 645. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. So whatever's in your heart, we know that's what's going to come out. So we need to start putting good things in. And so how do we put good things in? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Let's look at verse 20 through 27. This is my last point, but this is just so good to me. Because it shows you it shows you how to put good things in and how to preserve that treasure. So here's how we put good things in. My son, give attention to my words. Let's look at that as the word of God. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Always remain focused on them. Uh, verse 22. It says, for they are life to those who find them and health to their flesh. Verse 23 says, this is what we want. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Can I get that in the NIV, please? It says, above else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That's not the NIV. Is that the NIV? Hmm. That's the old NIV. Okay, let me read it from what I have. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do overflows from it. That's it. Everything you do comes from your heart. That's why you have to guard it. So it's going to keep showing. Can we go back to the New King James Version? Yeah. Verse 24. It's going to show you how to guard it. It says, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. So I saw that not as just controlling your mouth because we found out you can't do that. Put away from you people who have a deceitful mouth, and people who have perverse lips, put them far from you. Don't even allow them around you. And so I said, okay, how can people have deceitful lips where they sound like they're saying good things and they sound like, you know, talking the word? Well, when your heart is evil, it's not hard for you to lie. <laughs> That's still evil. and that Exactly. It's natural for you to lie. And you won't even find it, but you got to match your lifestyle. Are there words matching your lifestyle? If not, put them far from you. Verse 25, it says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. So if you're looking on the word, stay focused on it. Don't allow anything that's around you to mess you up. Verse 26, it says, ponder the path of your feet 
and let all your ways be established. I saw that as watching your environment and always knowing where you are and being aware of it. Don't allow yourself to be in situations and places where people are gonna say things contrary to what you believe. If you're protecting your heart and you're trying to get good things in, you're trying to protect the good that's already there, you can't allow people who are saying evil to get in there because your heart is like a sponge. It really is. And it's always looking to pull things in. And so your environment is gonna it's gonna absorb it. Verse 27, it says, Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your feet from evil. To the right and to the left. That's the evil around you. But if your eyes are focused on the word, you can't see any of that. And I thought about, you know, most of us have peripheral vision, hopefully. And when we're looking straight ahead, we can see the things that's over here. And we can see that that's living in the world, but not being of it. And so we can see those things that's over there, but they have no effect on the inside of us at all. So I was thinking, okay, so we know how to protect our heart. But I was like, okay, Lord, what about if, you know, our heart has gotten so bad and we just, evil's there. And I thought about the salvation process. When we receive Jesus, he wipes the slate clean. But the problem is that slate is wiped clean. But when the devil finds it clean, he's going to go get his cousins and he's coming back for you. <laughs> so that's when we have to start this process all over again. Fix your eyes on the word. Keep your heart. Um, let me see. Uh, put away from you people who have bad mouths. Look straight ahead. Be aware of your surroundings and don't turn to the right or the left. That's how we get it done. So tonight I want to encourage you or challenge you to no longer focus on the natural. Look deeper into your heart. Do some soul searching. <laughs> if you can trace your words and actions back to a good heart, your work is to protect the good treasure in your heart by not allowing evil around you to infiltrate your heart. On the other side, if you trace your words and actions back to an evil heart, ask God to wipe the slate clean. He's merciful. He'll do it for you. Renew your mind now and start doing the work it takes to put good things back in you until, as the Amplified says in Luke 6, uh, 45, until you become naturally good. And consequently, your actions will become naturally good and pleasing to God and no longer defile you. Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. Come on, give her and the Lord another big hand tonight. Glory to God. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. That's like preaching about covetousness. Well, find me another church. <laughs> Preach all this hard stuff. But it's right. It's right. It's what we need. And, and it's so important that we remain undefiled. The Bible talks about remaining unspotted from this world. We got to do that so that we can. Remember I talked about Sunday, we, the air condition wasn't working? That pipe was defiled. It was clogged up with all kind of gunk and junk in there. And then when, when that happens, the air can't circulate. So if you want to flow in the grace of God, the goodness of God, make sure you clear everything out. Keep that heart clean. Keep that, those pipes clean, amen, so God can speak through you and um, use you in this world at all times. We used to sing a song back in church I, I grew up in. I uh, listen to G. Patterson. They sing it all the time now. I want to live so God can use me anywhere all the time. 
I want to live so. So I live that way all the time. You don't have to, you know, all of a sudden I need to go into a consecration so God can use me. No, I live a consecrated life all the time. So you live that, if they say this, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Say that, but if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Praise God. Come on, give her another hand. One more hand. I think that's good. Would you welcome our last speaker tonight, a veteran soldier tonight, Sister Minister Laquanda uh, Walton as she comes tonight. Oh, God bless. Come on, get on your feet and give her a hand as she comes. You're all healed up. You're all healed up, too. I'm winning. You're winning. Praise I'm, God. I'm winning. Amen. Amen. What a powerful word tonight. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. That has been, this is just awesome, 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 awesome. Um, tonight, the Lord wants me to just have a conversation. He wants us to have a conversation among kids. And um, I'm grateful to be a kid to the Andersons. And so tonight is going to be a conversation among kids. And um, let's pray and we'll get right into it, okay? Father God, we just thank you for this time, this opportunity, this appointed time that you have set up and organized, Lord God. Thank you for all the people that are here, Lord God, to hear from you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love that's shown towards us, Lord Jesus, for having a word just when we need it, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. I thank you, Lord God, that I decrease right now in the name of Jesus. And you increase, Lord God. You speak through this vessel. And I thank you right now. It's in Jesus' name that you get all the honor and the glory. Amen. 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 So for a title, if you want to use a title, it's Let Us Agree. But since it's a conversation, it's no need for a real title. And the Lord really wants me to stick to what he showed me. So don't mind me if I spend most of my time reading. He shared a lot of this with me today. And I don't want to leave any parts out. So um, I want to just start out by saying we are indeed a called people according to God's purpose. This is something our pastors work pretty hard at helping us to come in alignment with. Oh, what it would be if we would just agree. What do I mean by if we would just agree? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> if we would agree, mind, body, and spirit, to cooperate with God's word. Yes. Mind, body, and spirit agree because you know that being that we are triune being we can separate what we do and how we do what we do right so God wants us to bring all of those things in alignment in agreement with his word in order to get to where he's trying to take us to amen so let's see I got off track see that I'm sorry Lord um second Peter let's go media Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, but we're going to do it in the um, Passion Translation. And we're going to read that together. You ready? Do we have it up there? Okay, I'm going to stay looking down at my paper, so don't mind me. Everything we could ever need for life to complete. Go keep going, guys. Have already been in the power. For all the 
Let us agree to be lavished upon. Let us agree to a glorious manifestation of his goodness. I can even agree with him given his magnificent promises that the, that the magnificent promises are beyond price. How about agreeing with a partnership that keeps us from the corrupt desires of the world? These are just a few things that we are to agree with when we cooperate with our whole body and mind and spirit and believe it without, and believe it or not, it start with us just saying that we agree. Regardless of what we have done in the past, this moment right here, this new moment that we're in right now, when we blinked our eyes, we walked into a new opportunity. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. If we are in Christ, which we are, right? Amen. And so you may say, yeah, but what about when I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. We got a remedy for that. We're going to read that together also because we're putting the devil on notice. And we're going to do this in the uh, Passion Translation as well. Ready? Read. There rings no accusing voice of condemnation. So what can your accusers say now? They can't say nothing. Case closed. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? Romans 8.31. But as a matter of fact, let's go to Romans 8. Let's do Romans 8.28 through 31. And we'll do that in the New Living Translation. The NLT. And we're going to read that together too. Because we're having a conversation among kids, right? We're going all the way to 31. Ready? Read. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become his sons, so that his son... Amen. Now that's good news. That is good news. But wait, there's more. <laughs> I am so grateful that our spiritual parents are still determined to get us over into the promised land called manifestation. Not just for a moment, but continually. As a matter of fact, they could have easily become like Moses by now. Like in Numbers chapter 20, verse 11 and got frustrated with the people and struck the rock. But thank God they remained in the spirit while leading such a great people. You all do know that we are a great people, right? A people with exceeding greatness towards us, Ephesians 1.19. And they see it in us, and they know the key that unlocks the treasure in these earthen vessels, if you would allow me to use that word figuratively. They know that they are found in all things of God, and we are to do 
<clears throat> and all we need to do is cooperate with all those things. I, it, I haven't been here for long, um, as most of you know, and there's some of you that haven't been here as long as I have. However, I want to encourage you today that just stay the course. It gets better and it gets easier. I remember, <clears throat> hang on one second, I don't want to lose my spot. I remember feeling like I was so behind, but now I realize that it wasn't that I was, in a, I w it wasn't that I was behind, it was for an appointed time. This word we are getting is so concentrated. It sometimes leaves me speechless. I'm try I be trying to say amen. I really do. But sometimes when I hear it from the pulpit, I be like, ooh. You know, I, I, I be trying to catch up with it because it's like, oh, my God, did you hear that? Um, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> what about this? Have you ever been praying about something or you shared something with somebody? And then you hear it from the pulpit, and you be like, oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> and you look over at the person that you may have shared it with, and you be like, I know you didn't tell him. You've been talking about what I told you. But no, the Spirit knows all things. But don't take my word for it. Media, give me 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 10 through 15 is where we're going to go. And I think this is in the easy to read. Yeah. God is defending someone right now. I don't know who you are, but I want you to know that he got you. Let's read that one together. Ready? Read. When we say this, we do not use words taught to us by human wisdom. We use words taught to us about spirit. We use the spirit words explaining truths. Truths. People who do not have God's spirit do not expect. They think these things are foolish. They cannot understand them because they can only. Amen. So see, they didn't expose you. The spirit did. <laughs> How about this one? Keeping in the theme of us just being kids talking together, right? Have you ever, have this ever happened to you? Pastor Kim get up to give her welcome. And the next thing you know, a word of knowledge comes out of her mouth. And whoop, there it is. There's your word that you've been praying about or searching for. <clears throat> like what church do you go to? when the welcome is said, that you get a word. Somebody need to say this one. <laughs> For those of you that haven't gone through ground school yet, <clears throat> please do. 
But I have a definition that I want to share with you because I don't want to overlook the word of knowledge, okay? It can often be confused with the gift of prophecy. So here it is. If media could put up um, this partial definition that we get, that we use in ground school of a word of knowledge, because it's important that we know this. <clears throat> there we go. A spiritual knowledge gained without means of natural resources. A supernatural revelation of facts about a person or situation discovered without the efforts of the natural mind. Basically, what the spirit wants to make known. An example of what can be, uh, an example of where that can be found is in Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. We won't turn there. We need to stay on track for the sake of time, okay? So I began thinking about all this revelation that's been coming from the pulpit pulpit, not just from our pastors, but from those that um, they have trained for such a time as this. It's always been a word in season, never a word where we've been fi um, left feeling hanging for a lack of revelation. But in my thinking, I went back to when I became a part of the ministry, like for real, for real, because y'all know that I used to come and like bust in on like e church events that I wasn't invited to, but y'all was my people. Y'all just didn't know it. So anyways, um, but I remember when my family and I came and um, we were at the end of the Crossing Over series. And I just remember that I felt like, and still do, that I crossed over to the right ministry at the just right time. Then I remember the teachings of total victory and how interesting it is to look back at that time that he would teach us about total victory and now about manifestation. Now think about that, total victory. Total victory is at the end of something, when it's complete, a time of celebrating at the end. But now he's teaching about manifestation. Isn't that a little backwards? Picture this. You're at the starting line of a race with your opponent, and before the announcer can say, on your mark, get set, you start celebrating as if you completed the race and won. <laughs> I mean, just kind of picture that. So to everybody else, it looked like, oh, yeah, you're a little off. You're a little crazy. But in reality, so let me go back to this, but to the natural or the carnal-minded, it seems as if it was backwards. But in the spirit, it's just right. See, Pastor was just teaching us about God begins at the end, and then he starts. So whatever that vision, dream, or word that you have received, that's, that's the end. So celebrate your total victory and start manifesting. That's why God had to deal with us on victory over low-level living, because there is a way that kings are supposed to live undoing unbelief and understanding that God is in control. I mean, God is not in control, but we are. The year of opportunity so that our eyes would be open to all the possibilities that God has in store for us. We need to start talking nonsense. And I didn't say that wrong. We need to talk nonsense, not letting our senses dictate our speech so that the word, just like the word says in Joel 3.10, let the weak say that I am strong. I know that doesn't make sense to the carnal or the natural, but we're trying to stay in the spirit. We're keeping the three together, right? 
so then he taught us about staying out of strife because it will rob you of your life. And I'm not talking about your natural life. I'm talking about your abundant life. Then he talked to us about pleonexia, dealing with the diseases of covetousness, and it showing up as symptoms in comparing and contrasting, competition and consumerism, envy and jealousy. And then the word of God came forth to assure us that God is determined to bless us. And ain't nothing that anybody can do to stop it. And this is the year of manifestation, if we will be willing to agree with it. We have to fix our words so that they line up with the word. Yes, but it's not what I see. Don't go by what you see. Go by what he say. In closing, let me read for you Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 21. And we're going to read this in the easy to read. Just follow along as I read. So I beg you, you don't have to read with me, just follow along. That's a lot of right. So I'm looking at my paper. So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. Consider what he has done. It is only right that you should worship him in this way. Don't change yourselves to the way of thinking. Wait, I'm sorry. Don't change yourselves to be like the world, Don't to the like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. And the Amplifier says in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively change as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Now, verse 3, let's go to back to the other translation. God has given me a special gift, and that is why I have something to say to each of you. Don't think you are better than you really are. And we also learn that we're not supposed to think that we're lower than we are through fake humility called poverty, dressed up in sheep's clothes, clothing. You must see yourself just as you are, king and priest, according to Revelations chapter 1, verse 6. Decide what you are by the faith God has given each of us. Each one of us has one body, and that body has many parts. These parts don't all do the same thing. In the same way, we are many people, but in Christ, we are all one body. We are the parts that we are the parts of the body. We are the parts of that body, and each part belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts. Each gift came because of the grace of God gave us. 
Whoever has a gift of prophecy should use that gift in the way that fits the kind of faith they have. Whoever has the gift of serving should serve. Whoever has the gift of teaching should teach. Whoever has the gift of comforting others should do that. Whoever has the gift of giving to help others should give generously. Whoever has the gift of leading should work hard at it. Whoever has the gift of showing kindness to others should do it gladly. Your love must be real. Hate what is evil. Do what is good. Love each other in a way that makes you feel close like brothers and sisters. And give each other more honor than you give yourselves. As you serve the Lord, work hard and don't be lazy. Be excited about serving him. Be happy because of the hope you have. Be patient when you have troubles. Pray all the time. Share with God's people who need help. Look for people who need help and welcome them into your homes. Wish only good things on those who treat you badly. Ask God to bless them, not curse them. When others are happy, you should be happy with them. And when others are sad, you should be sad too. Live together in peace with each other. Don't be proud, but be willing to be friends with people who are not important to others. Do not think of yourself as smarter than anyone else. If someone does you wrong, do not try to pay them back by hurting them. Try to do whatever what everyone thinks is right. Do the best you can to live in peace with everyone. My friends, don't try to punish anyone who does you wrong. Wait for God to punish them with his anger. In the scripture, the Lord says, I am the one who punishes. I will pay people back, but you should do this. If you have enemies who are hungry, give them something to eat. If you have enemies who are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will make them feel ashamed. Don't let evil defeat you, but defeat evil by doing good. This is the word that the Lord wants us to cooperate with. This is the word that the Lord wants us to come together with in mind, body, and spirit so that we can all walk into the fullness of our manifestation. The prophet of this house has said, it is our turn. Do you agree? Come on, give her another big hand tonight. Come on, keep on doing it. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. My goodness. That's another one. Y'all liked that one too, didn't you? Woo, that's some cod liver oil and castor oil all mixed in. But it's the stuff that's going to make us healthy and strong so God can use us all the time. Come on, give Laquanda and Olivia and Michelle, all three of them, another big hand tonight. Let them know that you appreciate the word that has come from them tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It says don't let that man think he can receive anything from the Lord. So you have to, before you agree with the other people, you got to first come into agreement, alignment with yourself. Spirit, soul, and body in alignment. The, the hardest part is to get your soul aligned with your spirit. The spirit is willing. That flesh is weak. So you got to get that soul. And once you get this, the spirit and soul alignment, they tag team. They're double teaming the flesh. The flesh has to come into order now. Amen. And so what God does, he, he spent so much time over these years getting that soul, trying to get that soul cleaned out. 
Teaching our spirit, getting that soul cleaned out. Now once we got everything in order, boom, running on all cylinders, boom, firing all. That's how you say it. We can move forward, man, in God. And uh, this is a great time of manifestation, a great time for God to reveal those things that have been placed on the inside of us that are for our good, but also they're for the good of the whole world. Amen? And uh, it's good. Amen. She, she went through down some stuff. But I thought, that's some good preaching right there, boy. We heard some good stuff. I need to go back over that myself. Amen. But it's been good. Everything we've heard, you got to understand, everything we've heard over these years, God told us beginning of this year, it is for now. So it might be worth your, worth your while to go back over some of this stuff. Those ones she mentioned, go back over that. Listen, listen, listen. And um, you're ready. You're ready. You're ready. God's ready to use you. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to close out the service. Thank you all again for doing a great job. Thank you all for being here, all of our guests and all of you. We love you and appreciate you being with us tonight. Know that God has blessed you. Just a quick reminder, all of our youth, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. to 1230 noon. And uh, so drop them off and pick them up on time. And uh, on time is actually early. So don't show up at 11. Be here ready in the choir, ready to, oh, at 11 o'clock, right? So come early, and uh, then you can get out on time and go and enjoy the rest of your day. Don't forget, flight team leaders, we have a meeting. Our, our